Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, I am Bela Seabrow, and welcome to The Definitive Wrap. Thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. We have a very special episode for our audience about the Israeli elections. You will hear all the details and the latest gossip to update you from our one and only Israeli correspondent, Barry Shaw, from Israel International Public Diplomacy Director at Israel Institute for Strategic Studies. Barry regularly contributes to various media outlets, including the Jerusalem Post, and is a frequent speaker at conferences and pro-Israel advocacy events. Barry Shaw has been a staunch defender of Israel in the public diplomacy arena for decades and has initiated the creation of several pro-Israel grassroots groups. As always, Barry gives a full account of details heard nowhere else. Mainstream media does not cover everything, and Barry will be fascinating our viewers and listeners. Barry, as always, welcome to the Definitive Rap. It's, it's always a treat Bela and a pleasure nice, to host uh, being you. your guest again. <laughs> so let's get right My to pleasure. it. What's going on in Israel now? Is it five elections in four years? Who are the main candidates this time around? We want to hear it all. Yes, uh, we're recording this just uh, basically hours before Israel goes to the polls for oh, goodness knows how many elections in the last couple of years. Um, so I'll, gi- I'll give you a breakdown of where we're at right now. Um, uh, uh, for those who, for those of your viewers who, or listeners who don't know, Israel has a different system to the United States. We have a parliamentary system over here where we vote for parties rather than individuals so that when I go to the voting pool tomorrow, I won't find a name of any politician on a slip. I'll find a pile of uh, voting slips and each one has the name or the icon of the uh, party. Take one of those slips so I want to vote for, place it in an envelope. Uh, It's given to me by the staff and deposited in a box. So we're voting for parties. However, I suppose you can't escape the personalities behind the parties. So there is that factor as well. So why why is it five elections in four years? Well, it's strange because um, Israel... If you if you take a poll among Israelis, you'll probably find at least sixty percent would be call themselves center right. But what has happened in politics over here is through the party system there has been a split into pers- basically caused by personalities, and uh, this split has made other parties, which has made life a little more difficult, even for. Uh, the public who really would like a centre-right party or, or, or government to find a centre-right government because the split has fractured the political scene so far as parties are concerned into what could be considered centre-left, 
even left outright and then more more radical right as well so we we have a fractured uh, party system over here and that's what makes life difficult but i have to tell you that uh, even talking in the last couple of weeks to a lot of uh, people i know uh and um this is i find people even more undecided the day before going to to the election than they were before mm-hmm. but i hear Why from a number of people are not even going to go for that so i i i expect the numbers to be low it, well it's i guess it's become fractious and um you would have thought that, for instance, if we take Benjamin Netanyahu, who has always been the major figurehead for decades in Israeli politics, right. um, and even people who have admired him in the past and certainly agree with his politics have been a little bit less put off by um, by his uh, behavior over the last few years. Um, he's obviously involved right now in an ongoing court case. And although I see nothing in a court case that seems to be going on for nearly a year or anything, anything that's been given in evidence that seems to be capable of uh, putting him away, uh, the the case is still going on. And there's um, there's a feeling that um, Israeli voters are reluctant to vote for somebody, even somebody popular, who is still under the cloud of, of a court case. We respect the court system, and we feel it should take its course. Uh, and they're, they're hesitant because of that. Um, but I, I think I might have mentioned to you and your listeners in another show that really um, Benjamin Netanyahu, who found himself in the position in facing uh, charges, uh, fraud and other things like this, out of a sense of what I call hubris, in that he his ego has, uh, I suppose it's caused by the admiration of Bibi, both uh, here in the country and also globally, has uh, made him feel and act, not like what we prefer as the Israeli prime ministerial role, but almost like presidential, almost like Trumpian, if you like. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, a lot of Israelis are upset with that. Yes, we've had personalities in our past, whether it's been David Ben-Gurion, Yitzhak Rabin, Arik Sharon, Menachem Begin, call them who you are. But each one sort of knew its place. And then we have, we have this system in which uh, the cases that against him are him trying to either potentially bribe or persuade news editors to give him uh, popular publicity in the newspapers. If he was popular, he wouldn't need to beg or or bribe news editors to give him popular uh, publicity. And the other cases against him of uh, wealthy friends bringing him and his wife champagne and his wife's gifts like clothes and jewellery and cigars and things like that. And and it tends to leave a, a nostry taste not so much in his mouth because he's drinking champagne and smoking cigars, but in the in in the in the mouth uh, uh, of the um, the Israeli voter. And the other thing that we see is that a number of bright, intelligent people have seems to have been driven out of the Likud party, not because they weren't loyal to Bibi, but in fact that that Bibi saw anybody who was really successful in ministerial role as almost being um, a potential opponent of him in the Likud party. And a lot of people, uh, capable people, have left the Likud and joined or created other parties or retired from politics. 
And there's a feeling over here that this has um, demeaned the Likud party, which seems to be represented these days, certainly in this election, with a lot of people where the Israeli public don't have respect for, but they're the yes people around uh, which Bibi has cloaked himself. You understand? And this has driven people away from the Likud, but quite, they don't know which direction to go in. Um, so if we look at some of the opposition in this election to Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, saying those that seem to be drifted away from him are on the centre and the centre-right rather than the right. There are people like, for instance, Guy Donsar has joined with Benny Gantz, who also mm. was, uh, was under uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, and they formed their own party. Uh, Yael Pedro was once in a, uh, the economy minister in uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu government, and he created Yesatid. So you have these rival parties and uh, more centre and a lot of, um, uh, let's say, uh, I would call them middle-class, intelligent, university-educated people in the Israeli society tend to go with this, although it may not be uh, centre-right, it's centre-slightly-left, or even more so when they create their coalition. Right. On the other hand, we have the introduction this year of a couple of individuals who have been called racist, uh, creating a party uh, which is now actually the third biggest uh, party in uh, in the Israeli uh, elections when it comes to the polling. Let's and talk a little bit about that. Well. Yeah, can we hear a little bit about that, please? Yeah, okay. So we mentioned the Likud and the Yaya Lapid's Yeshatid party, and we've mentioned also the National Unity Party, which is the uh, party of uh, Gidon Saar, who is right wing, together with uh, Benny Gantz, who was the uh, both the uh, IDF um, uh, commander in chief and the current uh, defense minister, who seems to be left of center. So that's so Israeli voters aren't quite sure where they're going to come down at the end of the day. But then we have the, what we call the religious Zionist party, which, although it's headed by a, um, a guy called uh, Betzal Smodrich, the really guy who is taking a lot of the media attention uh, is his second in number, Itamar Bengvi, who has been um, uh, really a hot-headed uh, right-winger he was once, uh, he probably still is, but he denies it. He was admirer of Mayor Kahana, uh, and it was reputed that he had a picture of the uh, rabbi that uh, killed a lot of Muslims in the mosque in uh, Hebron. Yeah. Uh, and he, although he's denying in this campaign, he ever said death to the Arabs. He says he certainly wants death to the terrorists. Uh, but apparently he has been attracting a lot of attention and a lot of uh, support uh, from mainly young people. Uh, they're certainly, as I said, a religious Zionist party. They firmly believe that Judea and Samaria is part of Israel, and openly have said this, whereas the Likud don't. Um, uh, and they, they uh, certainly uh, do not want to divide Jerusalem. Uh, they have, you, if you call those legitimate uh, objectives when it comes to pol politics, fine. But at the same time, as I said, they're, um, they're heading also 
for, and they've been saying open, that they want to take certain key ministerial positions that are troubling to the rank-and-file Israeli voter. Uh, The uh, Ben-Gvir, for instance, uh, said openly that um, if Benjamin Netanyahu uh, was to form a coalition with his with uh, their party, and there's no way they can call the form a coalition without it. He is demanding to be the uh, uh, interior security minister. With all that uh, that brings about, the other one, uh, Smodrich, also wants to be the justice minister, and he has said even ahead of the election that if he's made the justice minister, he will uh, by bringing a law in cancelling the, the case against Benjamin Netanyahu. And this, of course, for rank-and-file uh, uh, Israeli voters, is something that is really not allowed because justice must be allowed to take his court. Um, so it's a controversial uh, elections right now with, with people like this. Right. So what do you think is expected to happen? What's, what's, your, what's your prediction? Yeah, okay, so this is where we, we come into numbers. I don't want to go into too far into numbers because, quite frankly, uh, it, I, I have to tell you and your, your listeners that um, if you really want to understand when it comes to numbers, the Israeli voting system, you have to have a Nobel uh, uh, Prize for mathematics uh, because it takes, um, there are 120 seats in the uh, Knesset. And it's a simple statistic to know that you have a majority if you have 61 seats. Now, no party is going to get anywhere near, no one party is going to go near 61 seats. So whoever wants to create a, a, a government have to form a coalition with some of the losing parties to get to 61 seats. Um, there's a, there are other factors coming into it, but I don't want to trouble your your. Uh, listeners right now but if we put it this way there are oh, you about trouble 28, you can trouble 30... our listeners you know <laughs> yeah but it, it, even if i'm explaining it it confuses me as well yeah. so i want to keep it as, as nah, simple <laughs> as possible but without tripping myself up <laughs> but um but but putting it uh, this way there are there are nearly 30 parties believe it or not uh, full of egos and people with social justice and uh, climate change courses or whatever running in the election. But reality tells us there's going to be about 10 or 11 parties only. That's 10 or 11. You in America, you're lucky if you've got two, like Republicans and Democrats. But, uh, but we, got, <laughs> we will have about 10 or 11 parties who will make it over the threshold. Ah, this is, Bila, this is a little bit of mathematics. Uh, for, a, for a party... To get over the threshold, to have a minimum of four seats in the Knesset, they need a uh, 3.25% of the total vote. That gets them over the threshold. This is why I'm saying the, the assessment is there's only going to be about 10 or 11 parties. Now, uh, the interest comes is when you need to couple a uh, government. Because let's say... Uh, when your listeners here uh, in a day or so's time, when the results come in, that, for instance, they could have the highest number of uh, seats, they will be either 30, 31 seats. That's obviously 
halfway to a, to a government. Right. Lapid will have anywhere between 24 and 27 seats in his blue and white party. Um, so the trick is which of the two main leaders, which will, this year will be either Benjamin Netanyahu with the Likud or Yair Lapid with, the, um, with his Yeshatid party, will be called upon uh, by the president to form a government. And this is where the horse trading comes in. Uh, and we know, even in advance, who are the main parties who are going to support either Likud, or if he can't, if Benjamin Netanyahu can't get to a, a, a coalition of 61, then the president herself will then uh, go to Lapid and say, OK, your chance, you give it your best shot. So if I do the, the statistics for you, I'm just going to run through the some of the parties because I'm going off. I did for your show, uh, Bila, I watched all three TV channels of so that final polling before election. We can't have any more polling right now. Mm-hmm. And virtually all of them were the same. And they came out with uh, not only the votes for the individual parties, but the voting block that one assumes that, for instance, Benjamin Netanyahu would form or Yair Lapid. So Yair Lapid will form a coalition, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu will form a coalition with his Likud, with people like the real Zionist, uh, uh, religious Zionist, that's the Smudgish group, who will surprisingly have got either 14 or will get 15 uh, seats, which is more, they went past in the final week, even that of Benny Gantz and Guidon Saar, who will only get, assuming to the last uh, poll, 10 or 11 seats. Uh, so the Likudvon would be uh, the religious Zionists. And then we have a, a number of uh, religious uh, parties. We have Shas, which is for the Sephardi Jews, right. uh, the, what we call the United Torah, which are the uh, Haredi Ashkenazi uh, Jews. Uh, and... Um, they are probably the only parties that the uh, Likud, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, can cobble together. And it's estimated that they won't make it to 61 votes. They will only make it to 60. So how would Yair Lapid get on? Well, he's got a broader range of parties to go at because Lapid would have the support of uh, uh, Benny Gantz and uh, Guidon Saar's party, Blue and White. He would have uh, 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 Lieberman's party. Um, He would have the Labour Party. He would have the Merits Party. But even with those, he only get and he would have this. By the way, there are uh, three uh, separate Arab parties running in the election, and it's assuming that one of them will get over the threshold, and that party, as in the uh, current uh, government right now, is in the Raya Lipid party. Even with all that together, Yaya Lipid would only get fifty-six, the support of fifty-six seats. Again, run short. So it mm-hmm. seems that nobody, taken the statistics that we've got from the last poll, would really get over to the, the 60 vote to the 61 vote and form a government. However, like in Israel, there's always a however, um, there are a couple of possibilities. One is that um, an attractive lady called Ayelet Shaked, who has uh, her own party, um, Yeah. She changed it. It used to be Yamina, by the way. That used to be the party headed by uh, uh, Naftali Bennett, um, who uh, was a right-wing party, 
but decided to go in with the ILAPID and bring the Alicekad with her into a coalition with um, with uh, Yaya Lapid and with uh, Meretz and with Labour and with an Arab party and abandoned his uh, centre-right position. Uh, and that turned into a disaster. And this is why we're heading an election. Uh, he uh, betrayed his own base, which was centre-right. Now, what Yaya Chaked has got... Uh, is she reformed a party which she called the, the Jewish Home, Abayata UD. But she has been polling all the time under the threshold. In other words, as I speak to you right now, she is not expected to make it into the Knesset. However, I can tell you that uh, the, the people I'm speaking to have been telling me that she has been gaining popes, polls, uh, votes in the last few days. But if, therefore, the point I'm making, if she, if, if the Israeli public is surprised, uh, uh, when we get the results the night after the election, the election, that Yalit Shaked actually does make four votes, she has said she is keeping her party to the center right. And therefore, she really has only one way to go. And that is with Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, <laughs> The irony of all this is Benjamin Netanyahu has spent about three weeks or a month telling people not to waste their vote to vote for Yelichaked, but give it to the Likud instead. Uh, and it could well be, this is part of his hubris, it may actually work, <laughs> what, he, what he wished to do may not come true, and it may be the thing that would actually help him create the next government if Ayala Chaked. So your listeners should listen out for the party called the Jewish Home, Abayta Yudu, Ayala Chaked. And if you see that she pops up with four seats, you can say that Benjamin Netanyahu is on his way in creating the next Israeli government. Oh. Now, so- uh, having, having said that, having said that, on the if he do, if she doesn't make it, one thing I can guarantee is I guarantee that in the horse trading that would happen after Benjamin Netanyahu is uh, called by the president's former party, he will reach out to the Arab party Ram, uh, which is an Islamist party, to give him certain positions in his government to join him. But in my impression, my my assessment, my strategic political assessment is Ram, the Arab party, will say he will not go into any party with Benjamin Netanyahu that has people like Smodrich and Bengvia, who he looks at as an anti-Arab racist. He would never, ever sit in a party with him. And Benjamin Netanyahu cannot form a party even with this Arab party, uh, government, even with the Arab party, without the, this party as well. So Benjamin Netanyahu, in that sense, is is between in a, a hard rock and a hard place. Right. I, I, I should imagine a lot of your listeners are absolutely totally confusing, dizzy from what I'm telling you right now. Well, welcome to uh, Israel, a democratic country on steroids. From the the public's perspective of the citizens of Israel. What is the difference between the Bennett-Lapid government as opposed to under Netanyahu? 
Right. Okay, well, a, people admire uh, Benjamin Atau on the international stage, and they certainly admire him when it comes to economy. Um, and on that, uh, we have to be aware of two things. As I said, the Israelis are going into this uh, election really troubled by two main factors. One is the economy. Uh, the economy is in bad shape. Not as bad as perhaps in America right now. We have inflation at just under 6%. Uh, prices, however, in the supermarkets are going up. Price of petrol is high. Um, a housing is ag- absorbent over here. Young couples can't afford to buy a house or get a mortgage. The mm. economy is in terrible shape right here for, for parties. And this is, this is uh, a very worrying thing right now. Uh, that's the one thing. And security. Um, I just want to remind your viewers that um, some statistics I just dragged up for your show. There have been over 2,200 terror attacks in Israel in the last year. Let me repeat that. 2,200 terror attacks in the last year. This is the highest number since uh, 2015. Now, you may not have heard that. Uh, I know a lot of your viewers, if I, uh, listeners, if I, most of them are really pro-Israel and active. But I want you to tell your people over there in America the statistics that I'm giving you, because I don't think you've heard this in your media. We have had daily, twice daily, three times, four times a day terror attacks going on. From And this isn't rockets from Gaza, so it doesn't seem to grab your media attention. Um but they, anyway, the old media only wake up when we have to retaliate to this. But actually, the IDF have been retaliating daily, nightly for the last three or four weeks because the terror attacks are coming, funny enough, not out of Gaza, but out of the Mahmoud Abbas's protected areas of uh, the Palestinian cities like Janine, Hebron, um, uh, Shem. Uh, places like this in what they call over there the West Bank, what we call Judea and Samaria. This is territory that we gave back to, at that time, Yasser Arafat, as a gesture of peace in the Oslo Accord. And we've been terrified by the people ever since. We've had massive campaigns going on this this last uh, two or three weeks. Our soldiers are going in there every night to try and break up and arrest people and uh, destroy rock uh, bomb making materials going after kidnapping uh, capturing rather arresting some of the uh, the main terrorists but it's going up under the watchful eye of the Palestinian authority in fact some of the people who have been attacking us are Mahmoud Abbas's Palestinian authority security forces so yes security is a major issue right now and although we've had Benny Gantz as a defense uh, minister, um, and th- there's certain things that he's done that aren't really popular over here either for the Israeli public. So if you hear that the Israeli public are moving more over to what you would call the radicals like Benjamin and Smodrich, it's simply because we're so exhausted with the terror, the fear that a lot of people are living with. And most of those fears are living uh, around people living around in Hebron and Jerusalem and uh, some of the more sensitive areas. They don't seem to have ventured too much, although they used to, coming over towards Tel Aviv, Hedera, Natanya, and other places like this. But they, they do come over. Uh, and this has to be stopped. And I suppose, in a sense, this election could be on the Israeli voters voting for a government that's going to come down really hard 
to put an end to this terrorism. Um, and, and that is probably one of the dividing factors. And it's certainly one that when people like uh, Ben Gvir goes to the schools and some of the universities and some of the towns and speak to the youth there and says, you vote for me, I'll put an end to this. Uh, and he wants, a, he wants, for instance, death sentence for terrorists, which a lot of young people get behind. Um, so these are very burning issues over here. Right. Um, we have just a few more minutes left, so let's see how much we can get in. What are the uh, main issues for Israeli voters? Meaning from a political um, standpoint, what are the fears for Israeli voters? Uh, the, I'll tell you what the biggest fear is, and it's one that, uh, quite frankly, I'll be, uh, as of right now, as I sit before you right now, be my fear as well. I, our fear is that uh, this election isn't going to be the last election. My fear is there's not going to be anybody capable of forming a government. I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu, if he only get, if he gets 59 or 60, will be able to form a government. I don't believe, therefore, that Yair Lapid, whose party is going to be less than him, is going to be able to form a government as well. Now, the only solution that you would think, if people were clear thinking over here, that the Israeli people would say to both of them, Benjamin Netanyahu, Yair Lapid, climb down from your hubris and your narcissism and everything. And uh, what the Israeli voters would love to do is knock their two heads together and say, we need a consensus government of the Likud and, let's say, the uh, Yaya Lapid coming together and forget all these fractious side groups as well. There you would have certainly way beyond 65. You would have probably about seven, if you take three parties or four parties together, then you would have, you could have a, 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 a government of 70 plus uh, members of, of the, the representing the center left and the center right coming together. But again, because of personalities and hubris over here, I don't believe this is going to happen. And I think, I suppose, our greatest fear, and this is the fear of people who will not be going to vote this year, is that this won't be the next, the last election. That it, look at it this way. What's going to happen? Whatever the vote is in, and, and Benjamin Netanyahu has the most seats, the president will give him three weeks to form a coalition. If he can't form a coalition, workable coalition of more than 61, 62, and 61, the Israelis know, even if votes are governed to 61, it's not going to last because it's on a margin end of breaking down over some dispute between a minister or a politician and Benjamin Netanyahu, and then we're off to a vote anyway. Um, and the same with the, with the other side as well. So we, and the reason they're not going to vote because people are saying me, eh, we'll see what happens between now and next time, the next time, they mean in March, the fear is March of next year, we will be going to the uh, another vote. And there's really, unless we can get the big parties sitting together in a general coalition with a large majority, the only other solution is to lift the threshold from 3.25% to maybe 5 or 6%, which would cut out a lot of the small fringe parties. And then you have perhaps more chance of getting fewer parties, but more serious parties, not ones based on personality and egos. Right. One last question. For those who do not live in Israel, please yep. tell us how a typical election in Israel works, meaning what are the requirements to vote? 
Uh, sorry, your question was, if somebody was voted left wing, who would they vote for? I mean, who can vote? Who is oh. able to vote? Who can vote in Israel? Yes. Ah, okay. It's a good question. Uh, I want to tell you, Israel is a very progressive, democratic country. Everybody who is a, an Israeli citizen, whether he's Jewish, Arab, Christian, or Druze, uh, Bedouin, vote, right? The system over here, that comparing it, let's compare it with America. I know uh, there's a lot of talk over there about absentee votes and people uh, uh, can't get identification cards and uh, whatever. You need one thing. You need one thing uh, to, to vote. And that is, let me put it this way. Every Israeli has an identity card. Okay? Every Israeli. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Bedouin living in the Negev or the Druze or the Arabs or wherever, or you're running, living somewhere in the Stachim somewhere. Everybody has an identity card. So nobody can say, I don't have an identity card. That's mm-hmm. Israel. And also, every, every Israeli is sent a voting slip telling me, for instance, it's my name. It tells me where I have to go to to vote. I, it tells me I have to take my identification card with me. So I go to the place I've been sent to vote, right? And I go there and I go to a table. Everybody in Israel show their identity card. You leave it with the clerk on the desk. You're giving an envelope. You go behind a screen. You've got this whole array of all sorts of uh, labels for all the different parties. You pick up one. You put it in an envelope. You put it in the box, and they give you your identity card back. Nobody in Israel, you don't get the excuse uh, absentee votes. Everybody finds a way somehow or other to a voting station. Right. And I know that Israel isn't as big as America. Okay. Right. Okay. But everybody, whether it's the Bedouin in the Negev, they have their voting stations and everything. They make their way there. Everybody votes. So the system is certainly one where the voting system is fair and applicable. In fact, this year, I want to tell you what I'm hearing is that um, increasingly the up to, I've been hearing from the Arab electorate over here, is that fewer, oh, by the way, in the parliament, there are a couple of parties who are anti-Israel parties in the Knesset. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you have any parties in your uh, Congress right now who are anti-American? <laughs> I suppose based on what some people are saying, I, I suppose there are. But, Never but, know. <laughs> but over here, we have we have a we have a, a we have two or three Arab parties who are what they call um, Arab nationalists who are there, but really uh, they're holding the seats for an, the end of Israel, and yet they sit in the parliament in the Israeli Knesset. Now, increasingly, the Arab concern uh, is one of security. Because what has been growing in Arab society is a lawlessness and a criminality and a violent criminality. And there, there have been in large sections of the Arab 
communities in Israel, from places like Umal Fachem, which sits, uh, if you know Israel, somewhere between Hadera and Afula, or down in the Negev when I talked about the, the Druze, uh, such an outbreak of illegal weapons and guns and robberies and, and things like this and extortion uh, going on with weapons that the police have been going in to bring. So the, uh, security, their own community security, I'm not talking terrorism here, is I'm talking about the violence within the Arab societies. And this has been leading, and it will lead this year, with a greater number of Arab voters voting for non-Arab parties. It could be those on the uh, on the Israeli left, like Merits or Labour, and some are even voting for even uh, Benjamin Likud, because they want a strong party to come and impose law and order in the Arab communities right now. This is a strange phenomenon, and I'm happy you raised the question, uh, because what you're seeing here is really the... I suppose by American terms, you would call it progressivism of of Israel, where more and more uh, Arab voters will be voting for uh, proper Israeli parties. I I hesitate to call them Jewish parties, but uh, parties, non-Arab parties, you want to say this way. And I'll remind your listeners as well, we already have an Arab party who was sitting in the last government, the, the Ram Party, which is the Islamist party, sitting with the, in the Laya Lapid and Benny Gantz uh, government as well. Right. So this is the normalization of Arabs into Israeli society, and it's a very welcome phenomenon. Barry, thank you so much. Always a wonderful well, experience said, with we're you. we're going to have the... Uh, well, you, you might be needing me on uh, in the days following the election because you're not going to get a result and the, the horse trading begins over there. And if your viewers want me on to give an explanation how the election turned out and what's happening and what we can predict, happy to be your guest. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to Vin News and to our audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.